0: Ready to listen, sense, and play with the sexualness that is you. Now, here is the host of The Pleasure Zone, pleasure diva and body whisperer, Milica Yelenich
1: Good evening, sweet pleasure seekers. Welcome to The Pleasure Zone. You know you found The Pleasure Zone when we start talking crazy talk. We start talking about sex and bodies and more sex and more bodies and pleasure and when we do have pleasure and we don't have pleasure and what's stopping that and what's creating that and all that jazz. So that's what we're talking about tonight too. We're actually talking about a topic close to my close to my heart, um, close to my heart and close to the hearts of so many women I know who have had children. So this is, the topic tonight is going to be postpartum sex, the do's and don'ts, some are ones you've heard about before and some are not so much. So what is postpartum for one most people might not even know what we're talking about. Well, postpartum is after the parting of the baby from your body. So whether the baby is alive or has passed on, postpartum just means that the baby has left your body. So there's a few things um that can occur with postpartum is that you know, you could have lost your baby and that's like oh, that's another topic completely, but um I may talk a little bit about that. Uh, As I was just saying the title, I realized that I hadn't included that in some of my points to kind of point out. Uh, So, awareness on the fly. I love when awareness on the fly shows up. But we are going to talk about life with, you know, having the baby in your life, life with your body after having a baby, with your partner's body, with your partner with your body, How do you deal with having this baby and your hormones and your body's all weird for you, it's all different, and your body's going to be different for your partner as well. It's like a whole new world. What do you do? How do you survive through this? I was actually watching, uh, I love Netflix, if you guys have, if you've ever listened to my show, you know I reference things on Netflix quite often. I was watching a stand-up comic last night because I needed some laughs in my life. Sometimes I just need some laughs in my life. Not because my life is depressing or something. It's just like, man, laugh therapy is great. It just moves my brain. And sometimes I stress my brain out. So I was having some laugh therapy with a comic. Her name is Tig T I G, and she's she's freaking really dry, hilarious, and and like we and like she's weird, and I really like her. Um, I never heard of her before till last night. And she had a great postpartum joke, and I had to share it. I was like, how can I throw this in the show? And I just said, forget it. Let's just use it. So her and her partner, so she's in a lesbian relationship. Her and her partner had uh, some babies. And at the time, the babies were um, two twin boys, and they were three months old. And her partner turned to her in the middle of the night one night, just as they were going to bed, I suppose, and said, "Turn to her, her name is. Her partner's name is Stephanie, Turns to Tig, Says, Tig, how do you have sex with a baby? And Tig says, what? You don't. And her partner was like, what? (laughs) If you didn't get the joke, think about it. No, no, guys, you don't have sex with babies ever. Never. That's so not cool. I'm pretty sure it's illegal. Now, how do you have sex when you've had a baby is different than how do you have sex with a baby. So we're going to talk about how do you have sex when you've had a baby. We're not going to be talking about sex with babies. Okay, just to get you guys straight and back on track. I realize that my sense of humor is a little whack and sick, and yeah, so there you go. It's all good. So here's some questions to think about. Now, for one, did you actually just have a baby enter your life? And it was like hanging out in your world. Um, And sometimes the baby has just entered your life and it's through adoption, right? So there's some other stuff that might go on um, with that as well. And we're going to be talking about the postpartum, though, effects of the body. So once you've had the baby um, that actually came out of your body, what's going on for you? So a little different than what might be going on for your body when you've adopted because you don't have all the same responses. Your vagina hasn't had the same... Uh, stretching and all that going on. So we're going to talk about the physical stuff about what occurs when you've had a baby physically move through your body, whether it's through cesarean or through uh, vaginal delivery. So lots of interesting things occur. And also, what do you do to reconnect with your partner? Because there's, you know, things change and you barely sleep. You barely even know your own name and sometimes you put diapers on your own head and you don't even know what's going on. So Really, like you're just trying to function in the day, never mind trying to have sex, you're just trying to get by, you're trying to survive, you're trying to get enough sleep to to just know your own name sometimes, right, so we're just gonna be looking at what can we do to get back on back on track with connecting with our bodies number one, and then how do we add pleasure into that right so some real fundamental things we're gonna look at, some things that are from the doc's perspective some things from the medical's perspective I should say and then some things from my perspective some things that I also think you need to have like fair warning about and some things that maybe if you're in the postpartum state that you maybe never asked some questions that I asked and some awarenesses that I had after having a child Um, and these are my awarenesses from my experience so I'm sure you might have some of your own as well feel free To write them in comments on anywhere that you actually find this, um, wherever you find this radio show, whether it's live streaming right now to you or whether you're listening to it in a podcast later on. So one of the things, uh, first and foremost, is if you have, you know, been using an OBGYN during the birth or if you've been using midwives, they'll usually monitor you and your progress and your healing rate as well. And they'll be looking at things like if you've had stitches, how well they're healing. You'll be looking at things like, um, you know, how much has your uterus actually gone back to its normal size. Um, Looking at different things, making sure that your health of your body is is moving along nicely. They're also going to look at things um, that are not general related. They're going to look at things like your breasts and whether they have you know, uh, whether you're actually lactating or if you're you're breastfeeding or if you're not breastfeeding, what's going on with your body. Um, And sometimes, I know with midwives, I can only do reference with midwives because I use midwives, they also will ask a lot about your mental health state of affairs, whether you're having postpartum depression or what's going on for you. Because a lot of times things like postpartum depression will certainly uh, contribute to a lack of sex drive. And how do you know if you've got that? Well, a lot of that just comes down to having conversations with a professional to kind of evaluate where you're at and whether you qualify as having postpartum depression. For me, I did have postpartum depression, but I didn't even know I had it for the first two years. I didn't even know I had it until I was out of it. I just knew I was exhausted, I wanted to cry all the time, and I was slightly suicidal. But I honestly did not and I know it's kind of crazy, and I'd been in therapy for fourteen at that time twelve years prior to actually um you know prior to having this experience i'd I'd had all this background information about mental health i I studied psychology, so I knew what depression would qualify as, but I never would have evaluated myself as having postpartum depression. It wasn't in my reality because I was just trying to get by, and I just thought, oh, it's circumstantial. It's because, you know, the biological dad's not contributing to me financially. That certainly contributes to some depression. Um, and then there's a lot of hormonal stuff that goes on. And somewhere in my knowing, somewhere in my um, intuitive part of my body, and my brain, knew that I could get myself out of whatever this funk was. And I nursed, and I nursed, and I nursed. I nursed until my daughter was four. I nursed until one day I got so sick that I I couldn't actually produce milk, and it was like my body's way. I swear, it's like my body had to knock me out and practically send me to the grave in order for me to stop nursing for me, it was my saving grace as well at the same time because the hormones that kick in during nursing were keeping me sane. And somewhere, and it's ironically cute that when my daughter was about six, she actually said to me um, at one point, she said, I said to her one day, I'm like, thanks for saving our life for something that she had done. And she said to me in response, it's not the first time and it won't be the last. And I actually thought about the times when she was a baby and so many things when I would look at her um, and it would pull me back into being present and being grateful and then the thoughts of I'd rather die would go away and that the nursing brought me sanity. It actually as much as it stressed me out because I was up all the time, um, it also kicked in that the vibes that had me feel like I was connected to something and I mattered and that I could contribute and that I was actually, you know, doing something for somebody that was helping them live and help them feel better about themselves. So I'm not asking you guys to get sad about my story, because I know my story's not... Um, for one, my story's changed. And for two, I know I'm not the only person who ever felt that way with a child or when they were nursing. Um, and it's it's not always about um, postpartum depression, having your body feel like it's, you know, just like really like not even wanting to be alive. The hormones can be such a contribution to that. Circumstances can be a contribution. Lack of information can contribute. So some things um, that I'm aware of is definitely postpartum depression is a massive cause of not feeling attractive or feeling any um, drive sexually. You know what's ironic? I didn't find that in any of my research on the Internet. It's pretty funny that none of that all the other all the things they're talking about on the internet have to do with, you know, have a different position. Do your Kegel exercises, get yourself back on track, but nobody's looking at your mental health state and asking you what's actually going on for you? What's actually going on in your mind and in your feelings? It's actually going on there because we're ignoring that and we're just going to the physical and trying to get your vagina back on track and get it in shape and get it back to working. And we're totally neglecting the fact that we're dealing with a human being who has feelings, emotions, and is you know, trying to survive and thrive uh, in a way that's like you have somebody feeding off of you for one. It's like the life force is getting sucked out of you every few hours. And then at the same time you're like kind of joyful that you're contributing life to this being. It's such a conflicting universe to be in. Um, there's so much that goes on. So when when you look at the picture of postpartum sex, please remember your mental health state. Um, you know, where are you at? You know, what's going on for you? Do you feel happy? Do you feel sad? Do you feel joyful? And you might have all of those feelings going up and down and all around. So make sure that you are looking at those aspects um, as well. And if you really feel like you can't make it through, definitely consult somebody, consult a professional. Um, I ended up going into uh, support groups. I was in, um, what did I do at the time? I was doing, I was having some Reiki sessions as well done a lot of Reiki previously to having my daughter. I was doing body work because I was actually training at the time to be a mitzvah um, mitzvah technique teacher. So I was getting body work done when I was pregnant as well. I was getting energy work, body work. Oh, and I was going to hyp... I hadn't gone to hypnosis yet, but after having my daughter, I started going to hypnosis. Um, And I did a bunch of other things, meditation, um I definitely like tried my best to be on track. I was, you know, doing the perfect diet or so I thought. I was doing everything I thought was like the best in the world being hit with postpartum depression um threw me for a loop because a, I didn't even realize I had it until it was gone and then when it was gone I realized how down and dark it was getting in my mind. Um and even when I would talk to people about it I wouldn't talk to them about it quite frankly, so even when I was going to hypnosis and I was doing sessions, i actually lied to people and I said I was fine. I did not want to deal with it. I didn't want to deal with the depth of how upset I was. I didn't want to deal with the depth of how upset I was about who i who like who I was um you know, who I was mad at and all that sort of stuff. I didn't really want to look at it. I have a great question in the chat room, which we will address. Um, But I first would like to go to commercial break. So you're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network. And we'll be right back after this commercial.
0: to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Milica every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspire Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at
1: sweet pleasure seekers. Welcome back to the Pleasure Zone. Today we're talking about postpartum sex, the do's and don'ts. The first little segment was actually completely, um, totally inspired by a thought I had right after I talked about the title. So we talked a bit about postpartum depression actually and how that affects your sex drive. Uh, A lot of times it gives you a zero sex drive. So one of the questions in the chat room is why, do doctors miss, why why is it that doctors are often misdiagnosing this and why are they misdiagnosing it so often? Um, I can't say for sure from their perspective. From my awareness, um, I think what's going on is most doctors have very lim- limited time with their patients. So in Canada, they get like their 10 to 15 minutes with the patient. And you get to go in with one issue and you deal with one issue and then you have to make another appointment to go back and deal with another issue. A lot of people don't have a rapport with their doctors enough where they feel comfortable enough telling their doctors what's really going on with them. Um, They're also, I know for me, from my perspective, I didn't want to tell my doctors because I didn't want to be given um, any antidepressants, and I knew if I even remotely said that I was depressed, that I would be written an antidepressant in a heartbeat. I knew that because of um, not my own personal experience, but the experience of other people I knew. Um, my mum ended up with antidepressants once because she broke up with a boyfriend, and she was crying in a doctor's office because it happened to be like within the hour of breaking up with somebody but her tears were tears of relief and the doctor didn't ask that the doctor just gave her a prescription and when she went to go get it filled out they looked at her like she was nuts and she's like well, what is this for and they wouldn't tell her and they were going she said then don't fill it i don't want it and then the pharmacist looked at her again and questioned her and said and tried to calm her down cuz they thought she was it was like antipsychotics and antidepressants they gave her why she was crying so I tried my darndest not to show doctors how I was feeling because I really did not want to be medicated for it. So uh, anybody who has any, like, iota of awareness will probably not show their doctors any of it because they're not interested in the medication. Um, and also the lack of rapport, lack of trust in the system, and the doctors, I think that's a huge contribution. And I think also doctors have a limited amount of time to be able to deal with their patients. And to actually ask them what's going on, so my midwives had more time with me, but I, I also still didn't trust them enough to tell them what was going on because i didn't I also didn't want to have them um being suspicious of me so i had I had also reason to not trust them, which was that on my uh on my intake information when I went to go see the midwives. asked a lot of questions and I was very honest with them about my information and I did tell them at the time that my daughter's biological dad uh, was an alcoholic Um, I would say he was not a recovering alcoholic because at the time he was still an active alcoholic actively drinking regularly so uh, that was on the report and so after I had my daughter and when I was in hospital with her I had CAS, which is a Canadian system who look uh, after and watch over children. I had them come in and check on me on a daily basis to make sure I wasn't abusing my child and I wasn't abusing myself um, because they didn't understand on the intake form that it said that I was part of a support group um, because I was part of Al-Anon, uh, even though that's supposed to be a secret, you know, secret information. I was part of Al-Anon, which is a group for... Um, families and friends of alcoholics. So they didn't know the difference between me being an Al-Anon and me being an uh, AA. And so they followed me thinking that I was going to harm my child, thinking I was an active alcoholic, also thinking the father is an active alcoholic, which was true. Um, so they raw me a lot daily, watched me every minute with my daughter, pretty much every minute, uh except for at like midnight feedings and like two two and four a m feedings but during the day c i s watched me for six days, actually, so I didn't trust my midwives because I felt like they betrayed me in giving over information um that was not relevant. To the situation because he wasn't present for feedings anyway at the hospital he wasn't really present anyway let's face it that's what happens a lot with alcoholism so it was um it was a situational thing that I didn't trust my midwives and I didn't trust doctors because I didn't I had one and he didn't show up on time so I had my midwives for my midwives Um, so I think having somebody that you can trust to talk to is really helpful um and also somebody that not only you trust but will listen to what you desire and if you really truly desire medication for it that they'll listen to you and, and help you get that and if you truly don't desire medication for it that they might look help you find alternatives that can assist you with that so i had some background um information i'd already had at that point when i had my daughter i already had about 16 years of meditating under my belt different kinds, like seven different kinds of meditation I'd, you know, worked with, studied, played with. Uh, I knew body work. I knew energy work. I knew some stuff. I had some, some background skills I could use. Um, And, you know, even when we're at the best of our best, we forget, right? And we forget that we're on a planet with other human beings and that we can talk to people. Um, So it took me a really long time to actually trust people. And it took me a really long time to be able to even say, oh, yeah, after I had my daughter, I had postpartum depression. Uh, she was like seven years old by the time I finally said it to somebody. Um, I really didn't think it was relevant, but I do get that there's validity in this information because a lot of women are denying it. They're making themselves wrong. And then they're saying um, you know, to their husband they don't want sex and their husband's like, well, it's been like a year since your kid and, and your body is still like... No man, something's going on and I'm not doing okay. But if you don't have somebody that you trust to talk to about it that will, you know, give you options or give you whatever you're looking for, you know, find somebody that's your comrade in arms that's gonna assist you out of this. Somebody that's got your back because and if you really don't have that, honestly, uh I got your back a hundred and ten percent so locate me find me you can find me on my website just write to me and say it's regarding postpartum depression I will talk to you I'll talk to you for free about that if you need some assistance I'll give you like half an hour of my time for free If you just need to talk you got you got my attention so I know this happens a lot, and I know that there's a need for more support on that front. So um, actually in my list, there is I did list support groups uh, in terms of people to look to to talk to uh, about what's going on with you can be really helpful. So if you are feeling like you're like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? Why don't I feel like having sex? It's been two or three years. You know, looking to support groups, people you can talk to, you might find that you're not the only one in that boat. You know, your body might be like, giving you signals because your body can't like, no more kids don't want to change more diapers can't do this need sleep alert alert alert. your body is probably sending you signals to say no because your body knows Your body knows stuff so it's just letting you know uh, things that you might not be willing to acknowledge so visiting like your OBGYN or midwife for for them to just check on the physical things is a great idea and then also you know, as you start to step back into the possibility of having sex, doing things like using birth control of any kind is pretty smart, especially if you're, you know, if you're going with what doctors are saying now is after one month you can go back to having sex. When I had my daughter, they were suggesting three months. And you know what my recommendation is? Listen to your body. Your body knows. If your body's telling you a year, two years, three years, if you keep checking on a regular basis and your body's like, nah, just go with it, and please don't make yourself wrong, you don't, you know, don't think that you have to go out and get tested for, are my hormones fucked up, like everybody's forever running to the doctor to see if their hormones are messed up, do you know you have like hundreds of hormones in your body, it's not just the ones that get you horny, so yes, they might be different, they might be changed, you produced a child in your body (laughs) That's an amazing thing. And it takes a lot of things to contribute to that body being, you know, produced. So, yeah, you might have something going on with your hormones. But don't don't run for that. Don't, like, run out the door and go, I need to get my hormones checked. You know what? First, become acquainted with your body and have a relationship with it and and honor it, right? And if your body's just saying no, cool, honor it. If your body's saying no, and I would like more information... Follow that trail. Follow that whisper that your body's saying, no, I'm not interested in sex right now, but there's something. I'm not sure what that is. And your body might be like, you know what I would like? Oh, I'd like a back rub. You know what I would like? I'd like a foot rub. You know what I'd like? I'd like somebody to just kiss me from head to toe. You know what I'd really like? Oh, I'd like somebody to just stroke my clit for like 10 minutes. That's what I'd really like. So, when you get to like what your body would really like, and it may not be penetration because your vulva might still be swollen, you know, and your vagina might also be swollen, it might still be like, nah, my body was about my daughter was just over four years old when my body said, "Okay, you you know go for it every single part of my being was completely repulsed, repulsion, if that's even." A concept you can fathom for me uh, absolute repulsion over sex. Uh, with my with my daughter's biological dad, it was absolute repulsion. It was like you you could have slathered him in whipped cream and chocolate, and I still would have been like, "Can't do that." And I know what it was for me. It was a lack of trust, 110%. I didn't trust him. And for me, trust is a major turn-on. Trust is like aphrodisiac. If you didn't listen to my episode on aphrodisiacs, have a listen because trust for me is an aphrodisiac. So that's something to just, you know, keep in mind. Um, One of the things that I also had a bit of a repulsion around was lack of assistance. So it was like I didn't just, not trust i didn't trust him as a person because he chronically lied to me but i also had a a thing where i didn't trust him because he wouldn't help me out with the, my daughter he re, you know he resented every second of it he's like why don't we just get a nanny i'm like how about you go f off he actually had no money but he was always willing to spend mine which also made me resent him <laughs> so so There was a lot of contributing factors that just made me not attracted to him. And then at some point, I had a sense of, like, really strange sense of guilt come over me, and I didn't have a lot of information about it at the time, but I do now. And at the time, I had this, like, strange amount of guilt come over me, so I said yes. And at the same time, it was kind of interesting because it led... It led to a change in uh, relationship with her biological dad, which also led to a breakup, which was one of the greatest gifts I ever was given, which led to an amazing person coming into my life who's my current husband. So it's like you never really know what's going on with these giant stories, but something does show up. And truly, when you honor your sex drive, it it's so smart. You're... Your vagina knows and listen to it, like Mama G says, you know, in Pussy Reclamation. Just, like, put your hand on your pussy and ask her questions. She knows stuff, and she will give you information. And if you honor when you would like sex or not like sex, it would be such a great gift, right? So that's a note we're going to actually use to go off to our next commercial break. So you're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network, and we'll be right back after this commercial
0: to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for the pleasure zone with Melitza every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com.
2: Are you a healer or a coach? Have you been craving having sessions and haven't had the time? you know that you can be a greater gift when you look after you. Is now the time? Join a group of beautiful healers and coaches, men and women from around the world at a quaint retreat in Prince Edward County, Ontario, Canada, April 5th through 8th, 2019. Enjoy great food, trades with colleagues and professionally led group sessions. What would your life be like if you gifted this to you? For more information, contact Militsa at
1: Hello, hello everyone. Welcome back to the Pleasure Zone. We're talking about postpartum sex tonight. And you know, for the last little section we've been talking a lot about the psychological that can kind of have you not feel like you're feeling too sexy, like what's preventing you from getting back in the sack. And I know I've talked many times about um I've talked many, many times actually about how one of the greatest turns on the tr- greatest turn on for me is uh the mind like i love i love brilliance and i love great thoughts and i love having clarity of mind and being insightful and i find that like really attractive in people and so for me it's like when i can have that clarity of my own mind i feel like i'm also more attractive which is helpful so getting your mental state you know, on track and really like evaluating what's going on for you, what's going on emotionally, psychologically. What are you thinking? What sparked that? When did that originate? Where is that coming from? You know, would you like to change it? So, you know, if something's coming up and, you know, if your partner, for example, is saying things to you, and my God, do they ever sound like you're one of your parents? Um, you know, if they're nagging you about something, you never stay on track, you're never focused, you're never... You can certainly start to feel like, why would I have sex with my mom or dad? Um, That's so not attractive. So when your partner starts sounding like one of your parents, you might not be attracted to them either. Just something to keep in mind. So as a partner, you might want to stop sounding like your partner's parents. Just a thought. You know, stop being your partner's parents because that's just not attractive. Who wants to have sex with their mom and dad? I I personally don't know anybody who wants to have sex with their mom and dad. But if you do know people, that's cool. You can tell me if you want. You don't have to. But it's just not a common out. It's just like not a common thing I found in the world. So yeah, good times. So like, definitely address the psychological. Definitely address the emotional stuff that's going on. And then when that's addressed, and again, if you want somebody to talk to and you don't know anyone, contact me. I'll give you half an hour for um, definitely message and put um, in the header, postpartum talk and all. We can talk about that. Uh, So, and men, you count too for postpartum talk. Men and women who are partners of whoever had the baby because you're going to have a whole other discussion of what's going on for you, how you might feel rejected, neglected, all of that stuff. So either side is a picture of the story. If you guys are going through this as partners and you want to talk, that counts too. So uh, let's assume that we've dealt with all of the psychological, emotional stuff, and you're just, your body is just kind of like, I don't know about sex because the last time I did this I had a baby. Ah! And your body might be like, I don't know if I want another baby, I don't know. And there might be some fear factor going on. So again, that's a little bit of the emotional. And so you might start to deal with that. Um, So what I recommend is the senses. I love using the senses as an example of everything. So start with something like touch. Keep it really, really simple. Starting to develop like a connection with your partner again through simple touch. Either holding hands. You could be watching a movie and you're just holding hands arm around the shoulder, you know, shoulder rubs, especially if, you know, you're nursing your shoulders sometimes. Even when you have the best nursing pillows around, you could have, I could have had three stacked, I have such a long torso. But if you have a really, um, if you have sore shoulders from nursing or sore body in general and you just need a massage and your partner is willing to gift that, it can be such a great gift. Um, Even just massaging the, you know, the opening of the vagina. Uh, with no point of view, with no we're doing this to get it on. If your partner can just do it with love and kindness and caring and lots of lube on top of that, it can start to have your body relax and ease into having touch again. So that's something to, to play with is um like yeah, the vaginal massage. And there are people who teach that. So if you don't know what to do and you don't know how to do that, you can look that up. I'm pretty sure YouTube has videos and I'm pretty sure if you Google that, you'll find courses and stuff that are available. So let's move on to taste as we're moving through all of the different um, senses. So you might notice that, you know, your partner's body tastes different uh, once, you know, if your partner's given, if you've given birth and you you know, your partner is licking you, they might be like, wow, you taste different you know, you probably will. There's a lot of different hormones going on. Your body will give off different scents also so that your baby recognizes you and will be attracted to eating from you. So I recommend before, you know, if you're at that phase of the game where your vulva still isn't quite ready for penetration, licking other areas, licking and kissing um, through that kind of version of taste, can be really sweet. So whether it's like kissing the back of the legs into the crease uh, behind the knee, up the legs, and all over the body. And if you're kissing areas that are not even directly uh, the vulva, sweet. like You could be kissing everywhere. Yes, if you are nursing, sometimes you will squirt milk. Well, enjoy it. It's just milk. And you'll probably produce more. So the the thing... Um, that we often forget is that sex doesn't have to be all about penetration it can often be actually just about getting the bodies back to being turned on and bringing awareness to the body and, and allowing your partner to ease into receiving again Um, once you've received a baby and you have pushed that out your body can sometimes be like I just need a little space, I just need some time, I just need some healing, I just need some sweetness so having a conversation with your body to see what it would like and then having your partner ease into gifting that to you Um, and you might not know what you like so start slow, definitely start slow, start with just reconnecting, hand on hand, hand on heart looking in each other's eyes is a great thing to do. Another thing with the eyes is like visual adoration is what I wrote down. And I think what shows up a lot for women after they've had babies is that they feel like their bodies have been distorted and they have sort of a distorted sense of um, self-image as well. And they might not feel so sexy. So from a partner perspective, um, Be honest with the person who's just given birth. You know, honest, not in the sense of, oh my God, you look fat, but honest as in, wow, your eyes are so shiny. Wow. You know, I love this part of, find the parts that you adore and emphasize that. If there are parts that you're like, if you're having a hard time adjusting in your head that your wife just, gave birth and that, you know, you're like, wow, her uterus is still gigantic and look at that belly Or you're like, wow, that's some swollen vulva you've got you know, maybe avoid talking about all the parts that might make her feel like she's morphed into something unattractive and talk about the parts that you adore. Like, wow, you've got such beautiful eyes or, you know, uh love the nape of your neck or you you know, whatever it is to start to get you as a partner to be turning her body on with adoration uh, of the things that you see. What do you see in her that, you know, you adore? And it can be like, wow, you're, you know, it's so beautiful watching you nurse our child, you know, which I didn't get that. I got a lot of, oh my God, you're nursing her again. What the hell? <laughs> so what I know would work is pretty much the exact opposite of what I was given, So being given kindness would be sweet, and being given compliments, and being given um, anything that would have a person feel um, adored, yeah. What adoration can you give to your partner? So what do you see in them? And smelling them, you know, like I'm a huge fan of the smells, so... Um, like I've told you guys many times before, I love smelling an armpit of my lover. It's just awesome. And so that's what's fun for me. So, you know, having some smell connection, too, using bringing all your senses back so you reconnect with your lover. And sound. And I think one of the sexiest qualities next to having a fabulous brain is somebody who's willing to truly listen to you. Um, They're willing to sit down, be present, take the time and listen to you is an amazing gift. Um, And whether that's, you know, a friend who's willing to do that or your lover, but, um, you know, having having him being heard is, uh, is such an amazing gift. So I have this show where I get to be heard. Why? Because it turns me on to be heard. And if that means i got to make a radio show every week for you guys so I can be heard, so be it. If you like to be turned on by being heard too, get a radio show on our station. You're going to be heard on like 50 platforms. Come on, just choose it. So that's just a little side note. <laughs> so um, taking control as well through things like... Um, like i mentioned earlier like different ways of having um birth control whether it's condoms or you can actually get pills that are suited for postpartum if you're still nursing like there's a bunch of things that they have now so see what works for you and i did mention lots of lubrication there when i was mentioning the vaginal massage definitely use lots of lubrication as as the whole vulva and vagina are healing um and the swelling is being reduced you want to use lots of Lot, and especially if there's been any stitches, those stitches um, and that scar tissue um, can hurt for years. Like the scar tissue I have um, still on certain angles can be like, ooh, that's pinchy. So, you know, make sure you know uh, what's comfortable for you and use your words and actually talk to your partner. Communication is super sexy. So... Lots of fun things to consider. Also, just a really general um, sort of easy smart move is to do either Kegel exercises, and if you don't know what they are, you can look those up. K-E-G-E-L exercises. There, where you're um, you're basically holding the muscle like as if you're stopping peeing and then releasing pelvic floor exercise and it strengthens the vaginal muscles. You could do that version, or you could also follow Desolate, That's S-A-I-D-A-D-E-S-I-L-E-T-S. Um, she does something, um, which she calls the jade egg, but she has an entire process prior to actually inserting the egg into your body that really has you connect with your body, with everything emotional going on, with the energetics of what's going on, uh, it can be incredibly healing, just that in itself. Um, before inserting the jade egg and re-strengthening your pelvic floor muscles, so lots of great tools there. I have lots more information to share with you guys. So, um, but we are going to go to a commercial break. So, you're listening to the Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network, and we'll be right back after this commercial. <music>
0: to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Melitza every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com.
2: Are you a healer or a coach? Have you been craving having sessions and haven't had the time? you know that you can be a greater gift when you look after you. Is now the time? Join a group of beautiful healers and coaches, men and women from around the world at a quaint retreat in Prince Edward County, Ontario, Canada, April 5th through 8th, 2019. Enjoy great food, trades with colleagues, and professionally-led group sessions. What would your life be like if you gifted this to you? For more information, contact Milica at
1: Hello, sweet pleasure seekers. Welcome back to the Pleasure Zone. Tonight, we're talking about postpartum sex, some do's and don'ts, and we've been talking a lot about the psychological stuff, we've been talking about some of the physical stuff and how to get back on track, some tips and tools. Some things I'd like to talk about are some of the don'ts, um, and I kind of mentioned some don'ts, but maybe I mentioned them in a way that was more obscure, so I'd like to be really clear on what some of the don'ts are in my point of view. So... One of the don'ts I would say is don't rush into anything because your partner pressures you. And I had a lot of guilt tripping from my biological daughter's biological dad. He would guilt trip uh, regularly uh, <laughs> to the point where it was just obnoxious. So, you know, the guilt tripping, the pressure, um, you know, what I know is that if you don't guilt trip and you don't pressure you got a better chance of getting results. Um, also, peer pressure, too. So sometimes you end up in these mommy-baby mommy groups or parental child groups, and you hear parents, you know, parents talk about everything in those groups, and sometimes you'll hear other parents going, oh, yeah, you know, it took us like four months until we started having sex again and blah, 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 and they make it seem like it was, like, really long and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I would just sit there and I'd be like, yeah, not choosing it. I had a lot of defiance about choosing it. Also, my body was like no freaking way to my um to the person at the time as well. So, I think my body was really trying to find a way to make him leave, and um uh, not giving sex would be one of them. So, something to check into for yourself as well. So, if um if peer pressure is something that you find yourself susceptible to, Mm, maybe grow a backbone before you have a baby because if you're susceptible to peer pressure, uh, you're gonna become one of those parents that gets stepped on by your child, but also by their, um, by their parent. So, mm, grow a backbone. And if you need to learn how to grow a backbone, you can have a little practice session with me on how to grow a backbone. It can be a lot of fun. And one of the ways is just learn how to say no. And just look in the mirror and say no. And randomly say no to people about things that don't even matter. Like if they're like, can I have water? No. Can I go to bed now? No. And just start saying no about everything. And it just becomes fun. And no does not become threatening, like it's going to sever everything, all your limbs and all your relationships. It's just no. It's just fun. So... (laughs) I have a comment from my producer and friend in the chat room. Christine says that there should be a class on how to grow a backbone. I, I agree. Maybe I'll create a class on how to grow a backbone. I actually did have to learn how to grow a backbone. So, um, and I started to grow a backbone before I had my daughter, but then the backbone got stronger and stronger um, as she got older and other things were going on. So, yeah, some things will uh, get you a backbone. And some things, if you're choosing it, will make that backbone stronger and stronger. So another thing I suggest is uh, don't judge yourself. Um, For some reason I put that as number three, but I think it should be number one. Don't judge yourself. Don't judge yourself for how you look, how you're behaving, what you're sounding like, looking like, feeling like. Just don't judge yourself. Don't judge yourself as, oh my God, I'm so the perfect mother. Oh my God, I'm so not the perfect mother. No, none of that. Can you just be space? what's going on and be present with your body and when you start thinking you're the perfect mother then you know you're like oh yeah i got that right then you're going to keep on trying to do it the same way over and over and over again Um, but you're not always going to get the same result as you did the first time there's no like this is how you parent abcs if you're with any kid who's even somewhat conscious you're going to have to evolve with that so um, not judging yourself is really key, not judging your body and not judging your choices. So not judging your choice to say, if you don't want to have sex with your partner, don't judge yourself for it. Cool. Just become aware of what is it that you are avoiding, like what is it that you're not choosing? Like, oh, I'm not choosing it. Oh, I understand. I'm not choosing unkindness. Look at me. I'm a genius. Oh, I'm not choosing something I somebody I don't trust. Oh, genius me. You start to get how how actually genius you are um, your brilliance um, and your self preservation and self value starts to kind of go up, up and up and up. I've got two minutes left to give you guys a few more tips. Yay! <laughs> so, number five, four, number four on my list of don'ts is don't take everyone's advice. Um, Because a lot of times their advice didn't even work for them, might not work for you, and you don't even have to take my advice. But if you like any of my advice, use it. And if you don't, get your own advice. What works for you? So I know that's hilarious after an entire show of advice, but really, truly, I truly believe that if my advice doesn't work for you, then find advice that does work for you. Not all of the advice is going to work for everyone. And also, don't buy any lies that you're not good enough, sexy enough, smart enough, or any of that stuff. And if you want t-shirts on that, um, my friend and I, Christine, have t-shirts on Don't Buy the Lie. You can have t-shirts that go with that. Don't Buy the Lie. We have like a whole, whole like set of them. They're awesome. And also, another don't, which may throw you for a loop, is... Don't avoid sex if you really want it. If your body's like, "Oh my god, I'm so horny. I just want to get it on." Just listen to that body. Your body knows something. And your body might be like, "Oh my god, I want to get it on, but it's not with your partner." Guess what body? Your body might know something. Follow your knowing. Follow your smart smart body. It knows stuff. Ask your body questions. Ask your body a lot of questions. Remember, body, would you do you still would you still like to play with this partner? You know, and ask, ask your vagina, ask your vulva, pussy. Would you like to have sex with this person? Would you like to? Maybe, maybe not. Keep asking those questions. Your pussy knows. Put your hand on there.